Welcome to the 5 More Minutes Podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode three, no, episode four of the Five More Minutes podcast. So today is um, my favorite. It's stories from you. And so over the last few weeks, um, people have been, you guys have been sending me emails about um, stories about should. And so I've got four here today that I've chosen to share with you. Um, And they range, the different roles and different people. Um, But they all have a a story connected to should um, and about how they're all disrupting the should, which, which I absolutely love which um, is what we heard Donna say in the podcast last time. So who we're talking to today, or who we're hearing from today, is Karen, who is a principal at a distance learning school. And she's talking about how um, really kind of disrupting the should in supports and how online learning can be a support for all kids. And then we're going to hear from Amy, who is a teacher, and she's talking about um, how she's disrupting the should from from the teacher perspective, because she felt that she was getting should on a lot. And then I have two emails from students, um, Megan, who is in grade seven, and Ben and Will, who are in a combined grade five, six class. And so, um, yeah, no, I'm really excited for you to hear these these stories. I think they're great examples. And they're, you know, they're, they're a bit inspiring at the same time. And there are people who are um, paving the way in, in, each of their, in each of their communities about how to kind of disable this should that has been um, very heavy on on many of us over time so can't wait to share with you their stories So this letter is from um, a principal named Karen, and I met Karen just two days ago. Um, I was working in a town called Saanich, which is on uh, Vancouver Island in British Columbia. And same kind of thing that happened that, you know, this is what I'm realizing. When you start a podcast, every person is an opportunity. So I'm listening to Karen talk to me at the break, and I'm like, Karen, you got to type this up. You got to type this up. People are going to start avoiding me now because I'm going to force them to type up their stories. So this is from Karen, and she's... um, actually a principal at a distance education center and um, as she was talking because we know that there's a lot of kids moving to distance education um, or online education and I always think to myself you know there's this there's this misunderstanding that you know um, school is just knowledge and just information to be shared and so um, I hear kids say we don't need we don't need teachers anymore we can just do this online Um, and it's really kind of bringing to the surface like what do we need teachers for and how is the role of teachers um, evolving? Because kids absolutely still need us, but they just need us for different things. And so um, what, what often happens with online learning is that, um, and Karen's going to tell you this, but you know, it can be seen as a choice or it can be seen as a last resort. And just what kind of goes around that in terms of the kids that are that it's being targeted for. So this is Karen and um, her email is entitled Disrupting the Should, which which I really like. So here's Karen. Hi, Shelly. Thank you again for the great morning yesterday. Um, she had to leave at lunchtime, so she missed the afternoon. And so she goes, clearly I missed something about baked potatoes that I will have to learn about. I have a new metaphor. It's about baked potatoes, and I love it. I will share it with you one day. 
Thank you also, she says, for the opportunity to share this story with you. I hope it will be a helpful example for what happens when we disrupt the should in our world. It's probably too long. I'm abysmal at short emails, so please chop, edit, etc. as required. Oh no, Karen, I love long emails. So here we go. I am the principal of SIDES, which is an acronym for the South Island Distance Education School. It is for distributed learning, DL, um, in the Saanich School District. We have over 3,000 students, K-12, school-aged and adult from all over BC who do their entire program with us, or um, they can also take individual courses to supplement um, their school programs in their neighborhood school, which I think is a really nice balance. Um, that was me talking, not Karen. Okay, so this is Karen again. A friend of mine, another distance learning principal, calls schools like ours schools of first choice and last resorts. There are as many individual reasons that students turn to sides as there are students, but we're noticing that there are some generalizations that are happening. Our students come to us maybe because they want to try something new or access something that's not available in their neighborhood schools, but they also come to us when conventional schooling has not provided them with opportunities or resources that they've needed for success. We often hear that online learning isn't for everyone, and that is certainly true, particularly when the option is chosen for the student. But neither is the current model of some classrooms, and that's what we would really love people to understand. An online blended classroom, these delivery models all offer features that might appeal to or provide the right opportunities for individual students. And if they were all equally valued choices, then we could teach students about each option and students could have more agency and figure out for themselves what would work best, what would work best and in what context and combination. Karen, thank you so much for saying that because I think sometimes um, distance learning is, is almost an illusion of choice. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, if, if it's a last resort or there's no other options, um, that's not a choice anymore, right? And so I think a lot of kids where you know, a conventional school or classroom hasn't worked. Their only option is online learning. And when that's the case, that's no longer a choice. And so what I hear Karen saying here is this idea of, well, what if we see online learning as a support and just teach everybody how to use that that support and then we can have more blended classrooms because we all know that technology is such a huge strength for kids right now. And so I'm really liking where this is going, Karen. I'm, I'm totally on the same page with you. So she is, has an example here that I'm going to share with you. So she says, for example, a couple of years ago, I met with a young woman. We'll call her Joni, which I love that because that's my mother's name. So Joni. So Joni was about to transition from middle school to second secondary school and she came to ask us if she could take a math class outside. Joni and her mom had been to her new school to inquire into options and they had been advised that sides wasn't an option for her. They said it wasn't for everyone and a classroom experience was always best and that grade 9 students are not allowed to have spares. For these reasons, they said, she should do math at her neighborhood school. But Joni had really good reasons for looking at the online option and she was really articulate about them. Joni was, in every way, a model neighborhood school student. She was actively and joyfully engaged in her school community and her classes. Her marks were great. She loved school. But she knew that math was a challenge for her. She described it as, Math takes up 75% of my energy in my brain for the year just so I can feel like I'm keeping up. And she was worried about having to switch to a semester system because in a semester system, you take everything in half a year. 
So she told me she just wanted to be able to focus on learning math without worrying about holding back the class with her questions when she knew that everyone else in the room knew what was going on. And you know what? That's so funny because, it, you know what? She, I, I want to talk to Joni because I would tell her, Joni, you're not the only one with these questions, but I totally know. I, I remember feeling like Joni, where you feel like you're the only one, only, only, one, only one with those questions, and that causes anxiety for sure. So Joni wanted to participate in everything she loved about the experience of school and learning and just wanted to do the math on her own, in her own time, without looking over her shoulder and just, you know, worrying about what everyone else was doing, thinking or learning. Joni had lots of support from her parents for this plan. In fact, her mom was doing an accounting course and thought they could do their online learning together. Oh my goodness, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Um, she did not just want a spare school. In fact, she saw it as a chance to add a leadership course to her timetable. But Joni recognized her own needs and was advocating brilliantly for herself. And so, of course, we enrolled her. And grade nine was a great year for her in every way. When students are free to look at all the delivery options to see what's available and try them out, then we are expanding even further the kinds of supports that we can offer for students, especially the ones that they're designed for. Learning happens in so many ways, but things like choice and agency and relationship and knowing oneself are also always a part of the plan. Thanks again, Shelly, for this opportunity to share and uh, for all you bring on this quest for inclusive learning opportunities for all students. Have fun recording on the podcast. Thank you, Karen. Um, you know, we could look at this whole story about Joni as such a great you know example for so many kids where you know supports might not be designed for them but you know if we just teach how to use tools and supports for everybody and you know the, the supports that are available in a distance education setting um, you could absolutely have more blended models and you're going to get to more kids um, before they get to crisis so I'm really really proud of Joni for advocating for herself because that my friends is really how you get inclusive supports in a classroom. And it kind of takes me back to the conversation that I had with Leighton, who I interviewed last month, which was this whole idea about, you know, you can you can look at what should be done in terms of the research and literature, but what makes it wise, um, as opposed to just research, is, you know, considering the people who it's impacting, the classroom, the individuals, the parents, the families. And so I think this is a great example, Karen. So what are we going to take from this? I'm going to take from this, Let's not should on kids, um, especially kids who are advocating for supports. They may not be using the supports that we think that they should be um, or need to be, but I think we got to let go of that control, which really aligns with a lot of the conversations around um, self-regulated learning. And so thank you, Karen, and um, hi to Joni and her mom. Okay, so this email is from someone I met in a beautiful little town um, in Nelson, British Columbia. I'd never been there, but it's this beautiful, like, picturesque little love city in the middle of the Kootenays, and um, people ski and people eat burgers, and it's just, it's like my dream happy place. So this is Amy, and um, she was at a session that I was working, I was working with school teams, so this was the, kind of the first session of a series, and when I was talking with her, um, she was my head nodder. Every time I do a presentation, I always look for my head nodder in the crowd, because then if everything else is going south, I know that I always have them. So she was my head nodder that day, and so we were talking, and as she's talking about kind of her experience I just kept thinking in my head I'm like oh this is such a good this would be such a good story for the podcast so I begged her and said you know Amy I know that you're not too busy um how about you 
um, write this in an email and send it to me so I can share it on the podcast. And so, Amy, I know that you're very busy, so I very much appreciate you taking the time. So this is Amy's email. Hi, Shelly. It's Amy, the one who loves teaching through analogies and metaphors, loves a good visual, and fully believes in carpets in classrooms at every age. Amy, me too. So while listening to your talk today, your mention of being should on resonated with me. I have had the opportunity to work in a fantastic indigenous school in northern British Columbia, the inner city of London, England, a small independent school in Victoria, and now fabulous middle school in Nelson, who very much values and celebrates inclusion. Yay, Nelson! Each time I move schools, however, I'm often met with more than one should being layered on me by my mostly well-meaning staff. In particular, I like to set up my classroom before the school start school year starts, and as an elementary trained, pedagogically ever-changing to meet the composition of that year's class teacher, that was all in dashes because Amy's so funny. Um, so as an elementary trained teacher, I pride myself on creating a welcoming and supportive learning environment. In other words, I decorate. I'm an artist, and the classroom is my canvas. I aim to create a place where children like to be. But then sometimes my colleagues tell me that my classroom is too elementary for the grade that I'm teaching. But last time I checked, the kids are still 10 and 11. Even in middle school, elementary can be a compliment. All children need a place to learn and a place where they feel like they belong. If I can create a classroom like that, that comes through the children, and I take pride in that, and so do they. I love it. As one of my good friends says, after all, you do you and I'll do me. Amy, you have no idea how much that slogan has got me through my life. Okay, moving on. Then you continued your fantastic presentation of learning, and I physically nodded along. Yes, you did, Amy. Thank you so much. In my head, I was thinking, of course, and why not? And yeah, well, obviously, but then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Not everybody sees this the way, not everybody sees things the way that we do, even still. I do not claim to be an inclusion expert, and I know I still have a lot to do and a lot to explore. It's the curse of being a lifelong learner. I love the new connections I made today and the different strategies and styles for teaching, learning, and planning. However, the premise and value of inclusion is a fully held pedagogical, real-life must in my world. A few times in my career, I have had this hit me, and each time it takes me by surprise. How are we, in 2018, still debating over whether inclusive practices are important for all learners. Why is it so hard to change the minds of people who struggle through the very system that we're trying to change? Why isn't it just known that the best practice for Timmy is just the best practice for everybody? Amy, we need to put that on a t-shirt. That is so true. That is so true. The more I learn about inclusion, the more I'm like, "Mm, this is just good. This is just good teaching. Um, Okay, so here's what else Amy has to say. Lastly, when you spoke about scaffolding for children, I was again nodding like a bobblehead on the dashboard. And then I found myself thinking, I have recently shifted into a more leadership role and I was thinking about my staff. You came right out and said what I was thinking. We can't just scaffold change for kids. We also have to scaffold change for our teachers and our support staff. 
And then she writes this in the email, which I have to spell out because I'm not a millennial, but it says, yes, like Y-A-A-A-A-A-S-S-S-S-S, which I'm laughing so hard because in parentheses, she says, my mini millennial use of slang. And it... uh, Amy, you're so funny. Okay, so after the yes, she says, it's important as school leaders at any level that we remember to scaffold the changes for our colleagues. Change is hard. It's hard for children. It's hard for adults. It is just hard. So true. But in bite-sized chunks, it's like Lego. If you tell me to take the Lego and build a model of the CN Tower, I will laugh at you. It will take too long, and I'll just quit. I won't want to. I'm really good at building box stores, so that's what I'll continue to do. I will try, but I get really discouraged thinking about it. But if we took bite-sized steps, yes, one block at a time, before you know it, I will have built a replica of the CN Tower. After the session, I went on to meet up with a teacher friend, and I was literally buzzing. Ten minutes of lightning-fast verbosity later, and my friend was also saying, yes, too. I don't know if I'm enunciating that properly, if it's yes, or yes, or yes, or yes. No, I know it's not yes, but it's cute. Um, She says... That is a very long way to say thank you for today. Um, I can't wait till the next session. And her sign-off quote is so cute. It says, brick walls are there for a reason. They let us know how badly we want something. Amy, thank you so much for this email. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much because, you know, when you, like, read a message and it's written how a person talks, like, if you knew Amy, you would know that this is exactly how she talks. So I hope that I did Amy justice um in trying to communicate her incredible personality so I could totally see why your kids love you um and I think that this has been a really a really big learning for me as well just the importance of scaffolding for for adults and staff and and, you know um we we grew up in a very different time us adults and so I think this transition it's okay that it's hard and it's okay that it's scary and and so um I know that that Kim Ondrick who I interviewed in the last podcast um that really came through from from her and I conversation about just be gentle on ourselves and each other and and help us to move through this um change together because I think it is a paradigm shift that's happening um especially in British Columbia there's a lot of things lining up in ways that haven't haven't before in the past so Amy thank you for sharing that and you know what I agree. You do you. You want to decorate your elementary classroom, you have a great time because I remember when I was 10 and when I was 10, I was still in elementary school. So you know what? It all depends. It all depends on the school. So thank you, Amy. And you do you. So this next email is probably one of my most favorite stories, um, and I, I didn't know if I should save this story, but uh, I think it's it's I think this is a good this is a good one I think this is a good one for this theme. Um, uh, probably about a year ago, a teacher came up to me and said, "Shelly, I have a question." And she goes, "You know, every year we do a grade six seven school trip as a retreat." Um, and usually, you know, the activities that we do, the kids, the outdoor activities like kayaking and all these things, um, and skiing and 
And uh, she's like, but I have a question. She goes, we have a student who's coming next year who has a physical disability, and we don't know if she should go. And so we don't know what to do because, you know, if she can't go skiing or she can't do these outdoor activities, is it really a retreat for the whole class? And I have had this question before from people um, because it's that that weighing out of and, and the misunderstanding that you know one person is holding the rest of the kids back and that always kind of sat funny with me because especially for for community school trips um is that sometimes we kind of lose track of why we're doing things and you know there was there was one time i think it was the kayaking one where someone said you know you know, everyone has always gone kayaking and now we can't go kayaking. And so I feel like, you know, what if the other kids want to go kayaking? And and I kind of had to think about this for a while because I'm like, you know, the curriculum isn't about kayaking. The, the curriculum isn't the goal or kayaking isn't the goal. And so if we actually like you know, forget what we've done in the past and just go back and say, you know, why Why do we do these classroom retreats? Why do we do these grade retreats? It's not to go kayaking, it's it's to build community. And, and once you kind of pull back that layer and realize that kayaking is not the only way to build community, um, especially an inclusive community, you know, uh, you realize that there's, there's other things you can do. And I think, um, you know, especially in British Columbia, I see more and more examples of accessible activities for people with physical disabilities. And so um, I think that it's kind of really forcing ourselves out of that kids can't do it or shouldn't do it and really start to look at why are we doing this? And I can guarantee you that it's more important that everyone participate than it is that everyone goes kayaking. So me and and Shelly, um, another Shelly who, who I had this conversation with, um, we had, it was a very quick conversation and because they had the situation where, you know, they had this, you know, this class, this grade-wide retreat, and they have the student that they have to kind of figure out. And so I said to her, because they, they often go, they went skiing every year. And so I asked her, I was just like, okay, well, my first question is, you know, is skiing the goal? And, you know, and skiing's not the goal. It's about community and community building. So then the next question was, well, maybe maybe there's accessible skiing. Like, maybe there's actually um, supports at the ski hill to support the student, um, who I'm going to tell you about in a second, to go skiing. Like, you never know. Like, just look and ask them. And they ended up looking at a, a different ski hill, but what ended up happening was pretty cool. And I'm going to read you a letter that was written by the student herself. So this is, um, her name is Megan, and this is her experience about being included on the class trip with her peers. So here she is. Um, It's called Sia on the Slopes. Hi, my name is Megan, and I am a grade 7 student at Okanagan Falls Elementary School. My class changed their entire aim by making sure that all the pieces fit together for me to be just like everyone else on our ski trip last March. She says change her aim because um, of the metaphor of bowling. It's that examples of how schools change their aim um, for the hard-to-reach pins so that and how it benefits other people. So that's why she said change your aim. So then she says, um, you see, I am a girl that has CP, which is cerebral palsy, and as a result, I have some challenges. Everyone has challenges, and my challenge is that I'm in a wheelchair and I don't have use of my legs and my arms. I am lucky because I am able to see, think, and help others through my voice and singing. 
I had a team, and my class supported me last March. It started with my teacher, Mrs. Gittle, and my principal, Mrs. Sinclair, contacting Dan, my physiotherapist. He found Bryce, who thankfully just literally just started an adapted skiing program that's called Blue Jays Adaptive Sports at Mount Baldry outside of beautiful Oliver, B.C., He came to my home and helped size me up in an adaptive ski suit. We wanted to make sure I was comfortable and safe. There was a team that helped me that day. We had a bus driver who helped me get in and out of the bus. I had three educational assistants, three teachers, my principal, and most importantly, all of my friends helped me. The first run, I was so nervous. I didn't want to do it. My class, Dan, the PT, my teachers, the adaptive ski coach, and my friends were all cheering me on. Many of us, including myself, had never been skiing. The first run felt amazing. I even had a friend who decided to join me. It felt exhilarating and like I was flying. By the second run, I was going up the big chairlift to the top of the mountain with my friends. I was unstoppable. How did this impact my community? As a school, we came together and we helped each other get over our fear of skiing. We have been featured in many articles because of this event. I don't mean to brag, but I'm kind of a celebrity in our community. Megan, you are so funny. We often talk about this day and the fun that we had. My confidence has grown so much this past week, and I want to now be an advocate for all people with CP. Specifically on that day, I noticed that my friend wasn't skiing. At lunch, I explained to her how fun it was and how we should meet at the top of the beginner hill. She very slowly got her things and met me at the top. She followed me down the hill and by the end of the day was teaching other people how to ski. It was so much fun to see her skiing also. I saw her face light up and it felt amazing. My friends, Mount Baldy, and my school and support team had a fabulous and unforgettable day. Since that day, my confidence has grown and now I'm going to be an advocate. Like I say to people, be the bird and spread the word. If you are ever in the Oliver area, meet me on the slopes. Megan! Ugh. I'm going to have to take a break after that one. That was so good. I had an opportunity to meet Megan. Um, she was... she. I don't know if she still is, but when I met her, she was in a choir. And so her and her friends were performing for us, which like, it was just phenomenal. Um, she has also connected to her email um, some links about about her um, experience on Mount, Mount Baldy. Sorry, not Mount, Mount Baldry, Mount Baldy Resort. Um, and I will post those pictures for you to see. Megan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I think that's such a great example of sometimes we should on kids. And Megan, I think you've made it pretty clear not to should on you because um, you, you are a pretty incredible girl. So don't should on Megan. She can do it. She can do it. Um, so thank you, Megan. And I am so excited. I can't wait to meet you again. And because you are making a difference, my friend. Now, the second part of the story is pretty cool because um, uh, Megan and her classmates had the opportunity to go to Wee Day in Vancouver just this past week. And so it kind of took a whole other team, um, a team and community to come together to make sure that she got there because they had to travel to Vancouver, which is quite a few hours away. And so I was in, in contact with her support teacher, Shelly Gittle. And, um, and so 
I guess they had figured everything out, but they needed to have a portable lift for the ramp. And so I shared it on Twitter. Uh, she shared it on Twitter. We shared it on Facebook. And within minutes, we had um, people contacting us about ways that they could help so they could get to make sure that Megan got to go to Wee Day with her friends. Um, and they tweeted a picture. And so I think that, you know, Megan's such a great example of, you know, don't tell her she can't do something or shouldn't do something because um, she's leaving her mark in her little town. And I agree, she's absolutely a celebrity. Um, I want to also thank Shelly, the support teacher, because I know that uh, when I first talked to Shelly, she was new to the community and she is just paving the way and uh, really making her mark and supporting kids in so many ways. And so thank you, Shelly, for what you do. Megan, thank you for what you do and everyone who supported Megan to be successful, not only on her school school trip um, or wee day, but just the everyday. And so um yeah, thanks again, friends. I think this is a really great story to share. Megan, you're going to have to do more cool things so I can keep sharing them because people are going to wonder about how you're doing. Ugh, thanks, guys. Okay, so this email, this is a funny story. So recently I was in Stratford, Ontario. And if you don't know about Stratford, Ontario, I mean, some might say that it's famous for its theater. I, however, think it's famous for some other reason, which is it's the home of Justin Bieber. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love my JB. Um, although, just so we're clear, I had the bangs first. So, Justin Bieber is from Stratford. And so, when I got to go there, I was so excited. I went on the Justin Bieber walking tour. I saw the star. I will post it. Um, it was very cool. Um, the other great thing about Stratford is um, I got to work uh, with the school district um, in the area. And they were also, you know what? They were... I think just as just as exciting and um, fantastic as as JB. So this is um, an individual who was at the session, and she came up to me, and she was wearing this shirt that said "Choose an Inclusion," and I was just like, "That's the greatest shirt ever!" And um, and so she kind of came up to me, and she's talking to me about her son, and so I was just like, "Well, tell your son to send me an email because." Um, one often what I'll hear often from people who don't have a lot of experience with people with disabilities um, is you know kids with disabilities shouldn't be in classes with peers they they hold them back they take away from the learning I remember um, I was listening to the radio one day and I just couldn't believe it um, a parent called in to CBC um, during the teacher strike that was happening a couple of years ago and um, she said on the radio she goes you know. I'm just lucky that I can afford to send my kids to private school so that they don't have to deal with kids with special needs because kids with special needs shouldn't be there. And I was just like, you know, I was so sad by that caller for the first for the first reason for just the content of the conversation. But the part that bothered me even more than that was she was so that parent was so confident about that that she called into the radio to share it. Now, you got to be pretty confident about something to share on the radio, you know, and I just thought like that just how sad that is um, and what a disservice that is for her kids to not um, be able to learn from kids with all abilities. And so, you know, I think that that is a very, very common should that um, sometimes people are confident enough to share on the radio, but I think more often 
um, people will say it under their breath or say it kind of to each other because um, I think it's very prevalent still that there's this assumption that kids with disabilities are burdens and and um, and it's a really heartbreaking should to me. Um, so this mom, uh, she sent me this email and I'm not going to tell you a lot about it because I just want you to, to hear it. So she sent me an email and this is uh, end of October. She goes, uh, hi Shelly, it was wonderful to meet you yesterday. I was the woman with the choose an inclusion t-shirt who connected with you at the end of the day about how inclusion has had a positive effect on her children. Um, Stratford is not a very diverse community in many ways, um, and so I was very thankful for the steps that my school board has taken towards inclusion and would fight for these opportunities for my children. Um, I think my son would take a stand as well. So when she's telling me about her son, like I actually assumed that he had a disability, and then she kept talking. So now listen to this. Please read the email below from my son. If you ever need kids to chat about the positive impacts about inclusion, he would be more than willing to do so. His teacher this year is exceptional in how she models, and I'm sure the whole class would be able to share. It was so wonderful to meet you yesterday. I love all that you do and what you stand for. Thank you, Karen. Um, and so... Oh, and look what she adds at the end. She's like, and just so you know, you're the only celebrity that I've ever met and asked for a picture for. Now, normally I wouldn't include that because I don't think I'm a celebrity, except then she says this. I didn't even ask Justin Bieber when we ran into him last summer. Okay, I'll take that as a compliment because I would have been totally starstruck. Okay, so that's the mom. Her name is Karen. And so then she says, here is a message from my son, Will. So this is her son now emailing me about his experience in his class. So here he is. Hi, Shelly. My mom told me about you, and I thought it might be a good idea for me to email you about my friend Ben at school. Ben is a year older than me, but we have been in the same class because we have many split classes at my school. I'm in grade 5, and Ben is in grade 6. Ben is a really great kid who has Down syndrome. My friend Ben always puts a smile on my face. For example, when I am not feeling well, he always checks in on me and asks if I'm okay. He is so nice and likes to give a lot of high fives and hugs. We are helping to teach him about hugging and touching, maybe just not so much. I really like it at school this year because I get to play with Ben even more than last year. Last year we had a sign up to play with Ben and so I couldn't always play with him. But this year we can just play with Ben. We don't have to sign up and Ben can choose who he wants to play with. It seems more right. Will, you, you are more evolved than most adults on this planet. Okay, continuing on. During work time, Ben can often choose a partner. I like that Ben chooses me a lot. That makes me feel special to be important to somebody. He has great ideas to share, and when we work together, he helps me too. When I was planning my birthday party, I thought about Ben a lot this year. He is always nice to me, plays with me, and so I consider that a friend. He usually invites the whole class to his birthday party, and so... Um, and so I thought that he should be invited to ours too. I got talking to another boy in my class about it and he helped me to figure out what Ben might need at a birthday party. I asked my mom to go bowling because I knew that Ben could do it and then we could just use bumpers and the wrap. My birthday is today and Ben is coming along with five of my other friends too. Will, it's your birthday. Okay, so today's not your birthday, but let's see when this email was. October 27th. Your birthday is October 27th. Happy birthday, Will. And so I don't know if you guys caught that, but he changed his birthday party so that Will would have success. Uh, I mean, that Ben would have success. Will, you need to become a teacher. Talk to me when you're 22. Okay, moving on. Then he says, 
If I didn't have people like Ben in my life, I might be more afraid or unsure of how to talk with them. Now I get to learn about what they need, like reminders or help with work, and how to talk to all different kinds of people. I have learned that it's better to stay calm and show the person what to do instead of yelling or getting upset. So for example, Ben and I have a special handshake for when it's the right time to do a high five or to give a touch. Ben is my friend. That is all. I'm happy to have him in my life. Will. Okay, deserves a clap. Thank you, Will. And you know what? Um, I feel like I want to talk to you. So, you know, don't be surprised if I call you. I think it'd be really neat to talk to you and Ben actually together because I think this is a really great example of our friendship. And um, I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we, we often, we know we can be friends with people who are different races and colors and genders and and. Um, cultures, but sometimes I don't think we all know that we can be friends with people who have different abilities than us. So, Ben, uh, ben and Will, you are a great model and a great example to share with the world. So, thank you, Will, for taking the time to write that email on your birthday. Good for you, buddy. Um, and so, and it was really cute because I have to actually show you one more thing. Um, I emailed them back to say I would love to use this on the podcast. And, uh, and it was so cute because his mom said, uh, this is just yesterday. She says, hi, Shelly. Thanks so much for taking the time to get back to us. Will was jumping all over the house tonight when he learned that you emailed back. He wants to write a speech now on the benefits of inclusion. Yep, someone is inspired. Equity, inclusion, and hedgehogs are seen to all the things he wants to talk about this day. Um, and so um, she also says that we have permission to use their names. And so thank you to Karen. Thank you to Will. Thank you to Ben. And it also says that Ben's parents um, say that we can use Ben's name too. So thank you, thank you, thank you to both uh, Ben and Will's families and to Ben and Will yourself. I think that there's a lot of people who are much older than you who could learn about um, just how to be good friends with people. So happy birthday to you, Will. Hi to Ben. Hi to the family. And uh, oh my goodness, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to call you guys. Stay tuned. Ben and Will are going to be back. Okay, wow. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. Um, I am currently in Winnipeg and um, I'm working in Winnipeg for this week. And so I'm sitting in my hotel room. I'm reading all these emails um, and I'm just totally blown away by, first of all, um, how just the time that people are spending to send me emails. Thank you so much to everybody who reached out and, and sent their story. Um, please know that I read them all. But um, a big thank you to the to the four people that we that we um, kind of highlighted today. Um, I think that this whole this is kind of our, our last podcast or our last content connected to should, and I'm really I'm really glad that we kind of paid attention to it. We weren't going to at first, but I think that it it. The concept of should is quite disabling on all of us, regardless of whether we're in leadership roles or educators, um, parents or kids. And I think um, it has a lot of power. And so I've been really kind of holding on to what Donna mentioned last last time on the podcast, which is how do we disrupt the should? And, you know, listening to Karen's story about how she's, you know, making online learning accessible to more kids. And, you know, Amy, who is just, just being herself and being her and not allowing, um, you know, people who have, have different, different values and 
perspectives and practices like that's okay like you do you you have a rationale you're doing what you know works best for your kids and then you know hearing from Megan and Ben and Will and their classmates and, and I think you know from both sides of you know don't should on kids with disabilities but also don't should on kids without disabilities because I think what I'm really learning from kids um, in all the classes that I'm in is the power of, of being together and you know it is it is hard work and we're shifting a paradigm but um, the kids the kids are doing it and they know what to do and so really um, I find sometimes us adults are lagging a little farther behind because this is new for us but these kids they, they just know this is how they've grown up and this is where they've come from so a big thank you to Megan and Ben and Will for sharing your story um, about how you're making a difference and and you know not letting should stop you in any way so keep doing what you're doing because you're teaching us old and wise and experienced people more experienced people um how to live life today and and to appreciate all kinds of diversities and, and how much we can learn from each other. So thank you. Thank you to everybody who did that. Um, our next our next um, month is actually going to be a little bit different um, because there's a great big holiday smack in the middle of December and January. We are actually doing um, our content a little bit different. Um, the first week of December, we're going to release the next five more minutes video. And so it's going to be actually a really big framework video that we've been building towards um, that is going to be a, a really big kind of connection to the, the work that we do following up. Um, December and January so December the first week of December is gonna be big because it is gonna be um, the video and then we're gonna have week two the podcast and then we're gonna take a break for the holidays because I really doubt that you're gonna want to be listening to this podcast on Christmas Day so um, and so then we're gonna come back in the last two weeks of January so we have a little bit more time to digest a little bit more time to process and also um, time with our families and our friends which is is just as important um, as 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 our hard work that we do so we're gonna take a little break but not until the third week of December so make sure you tune in the first week of December it's going to be great and so stay tuned for that Thanks so much for listening, everybody. That is a wrap for podcast number four. So stay tuned for um, next week for new content. And um, you can find us on so many things. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Podbean and Spotify. So pretty much any any podcast platform. Um, if you kind of want to see previous, kind of like how everything is, is connected together in previous episodes and previous themes, head to to fivemoreminutes.com because that is what kind of the home base where you'll find kind of discussion questions scripts and research and all of the things that are connected to to all of this content or if you want to see kind of the framework head there um we are number 16 in the top podcast education podcast this week so keep liking keep subscribing write some comments let me know what you're thinking about um the the response that we're getting is is so great and the feedback is just so positive so i'm so glad that people are listening and that they're finding um the content useful um and so as long as it is we're gonna keep we're gonna keep on going so a big thank you also to my cousin paul who is producing all of the content so from from all the way from New Jersey and New York. So thank you, Cousin Paul. Um, I appreciate all of your hard work. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Um, we will see you in a week.